it's it's kind of crazy how we scheduled this earlier in the week just kind of and 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 you know and I don't even know how we got here really because my DM is just shot to death and there's all kinds of offers and opportunities and um you know help me with this we'll give you this or we'll and and so I don't even really usually answer stuff like that so when you came across I was like you know what but I've been wanting to get to another podcast I've been wanting to keep growing so when you came across I I ended up taking it on and then like you said, in between that leading up to the Saturday here that we are, we actually end up, you know, jumping into a spaces or doing something in between to even get us here. And it's like, who, who did we even know we were going to cross paths like that before the podcast happened? I don't know. You know what I mean? You know, I've had a lot of strange happenstance coincidence i tell you what man i i do feel and i'm not crazy but i am one of those people who's sort of like a little um into fate i if you will and 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 since my brother uh passed it's been uncanny how many things have evolved around my mission uh, on behalf of of his life and one of them I really see as this, especially because of what happened between me and Dark Artist, um, that was that was like slightly overwhelming. I had no intention to talk on there yesterday, and all of a sudden I had this like wellspring of emotion because of something you said with regards to support. That that support artist to artist now is so meaningful as we're waiting for and trying to pull in the sort of analog world collector, there's so much that's on the sideline waiting to come in. And and I know that from personal life experience, you know, I just brought in a major artist that was analog for the last 35 years is, you know, very successful. And, you know, it's like those guys have a lifetime of collectors. I have a lifetime of collectors. I brought them in, you know, or some of them, some of them are waiting because they're nervous. You know, they don't quite get it yet. Um, but when you said that about support, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because of what my collector had done around the stations of the double cross and how that just moved me to tears back then. And that's all I wanted to talk about. And then you know, the dark artist piece. So that's how I want to open today is I had a long conversation with dark artists and it, it is exactly what I felt when I saw the piece. I think that a lot of people on the outside looking in that you can say what you want. I mean, like, look, you just shared it yourself. You've been in art. This isn't new to you, right? But what happens in this space that a lot of people don't understand, it, it's, a, it's a simple process I always tweet out. It's like you hear about the opportunity and the money involved, so you come and show up. But then you actually, you know, start to like the tech and figure it out. But then what happens is, and nobody ever understands is it's that third one that catches you off guard. It's called the love for the community. And so when you have the opportunity and you have that, that, that love and, 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 and you have that opportunity and then you have the um, technology that's allowing it to happen. And then you have that community factor. It's almost as if, and, and you said it like, like you just said, you said, when I connected with dark artists and we had that long chat, we can stop right there because right there is what's happening here every day, every single day since I've joined this space, there is another 
fulfillment, another empty story becoming whole, another empty glass becoming full. And the more and more people that hear about that, their curiosity starts to drive them crazy and they come and they start snooping, poking, and then they Boom, they fall into it. And I think that even if you are a traditional artist, even if you are part of the original art world, unless you were part of major galleries, which were super snobbish at times, right? And, you know, people were pouring wine, you had to have your excellent collectors come in. And it was just a big thing to end up in a big gallery, correct? Mm. And I think that, you know, traveling to New York, traveling to London, traveling to LA. Okay, that's fine if you're able to do that constantly. But I think to be able to log in and even me and you, and I don't know where you live, but you definitely don't live in Dallas. So my point is that the opportunity that we have here with the technology of NFT and art, and then the community that we haven't even met yet, and then we're still just coming in with our art, Man, it it, it, it it really mollywops. I think that's the best word I can come up with. It bl- it blindsides you. It sucker punches you. It mollywops you. I mean, you have no intentions whatsoever. I mean, it's like you when you found Dark Artist. It's like you didn't have any intentions. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure when you had stepped in that room, you were gearing up for our podcast, and you said, hey, you know what? Let me get some information. Let me see what the guy's about. And you did. I, uh, well, I came in with that intention, but then I got lost in it. All right, let's kick off episode nine of Ars Cryptoctica. We have a special guest with us today, Vangeli Galekas from NFT Freaks. He's a founder and entrepreneur with over 20 years experience in web development, and he's been hooked on NFT since February this year. Today, we're going to talk about use case and see where it goes. Henry? Well, good morning, uh, Van, NFT Freaks. This is quite an honor, sir. I've been looking forward to having this conversation for about, let's say, 90 hours. I think there's a little bit of fate at hand. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that today. I just want to welcome you uh, to our family here of of episodes now that we're growing every week. And uh, we've had fantastic guests. And perhaps I may be most excited to date about this conversation. So, Let's get started. Maybe you could uh, introduce yourself to our community and we'll get started from there. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, too, actually. And that was such a great introduction, by the way. So, yeah, man, my name is Vangeli Galekas, and even my family today refers to me as Van. It's just something easier to say, or you can call me V, but mostly referred to as freaks, just freaks, but it's actually NFT freaks. And what I do is I run a page that basically summarizes the community happenings because the NFT happenings are sort of spread spread out and everywhere. And there aren't really too many pages or too many areas that try to take all that information and summarize it. So if people are moving or working or going about their day, it's really hard to stay in the loop with all the happenings. So you come to NFT Freaks and you go through the timeline and you can easily come back in that loop. Or if you have art or a happening or an event and you haven't been working all day, it's easy to let NFT Freaks come and push that back to the community to give you that type of um, eyes and, and viewership for your program or your event or your happening to even get that type of traction it needs to gather some sales. And that's what I do. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we, we have talked at great length here about the need on many levels for aggregators, uh, aggregators 
at the content, basic community content level, which is, I think, what you're talking about here, and you do a fantastic job. And then the aggregators that will come along, uh, technologically speaking, you know, through this interoperability between blockchains, and we start to have like where right now, you know, Uptick Project is on Iris Protocol off of Cosmos, and you have, you know, uh, Twincy and Refinable uh, coming up on uh, Binance Smart Chain. You have Binance NFTs on Binance Smart Chain. They'll probably dominate that space for now. And then, of course, the whole Ethereum uh, uh, network and all of its many, many, which they aggregate within the sort of sphere of Ethereum blockchain, but they do not aggregate at the moment, if you're producing NFTs on, say, Hen uh, or Hick, you know, you call it, I call it Hen, you call it Hick. Um, if you're producing there, you know, with with Tezos or you're producing, you know, you're selling with Iris on Uptick, or you're selling with uh, BNB on Refinable. You know, these are lost to the collector and the artists that would peruse, you know, um, OpenSea, Rarible, Zora, Mintable, where these are all on the Ethereum blockchain. So I, this idea of the aggregator in the space, I think it's like, you know, it's one of those holy grails uh, in our interoperability. But what you're doing it for content is, is critical. And I think it's like early stage critical. So it's exciting that you're doing it. And I just want to thank you for that. Yeah, man. And you hit it right on the head. And I appreciate that. And I think that what you're discussing about all those other chains allows us to understand as humans in an early underdiscovered technological landscape, if that makes sense, right? We're starting to see other chains. We're starting to see other countries. We're starting to see other continents. We're starting to see the start of a whole new world. And what you're starting to see is these chains starting to develop their own way. Hey, it wouldn't matter if we came out tomorrow with the John coin powered by a Henry economy. And there's artists in there representing that because we're entering a new world. What's that world called? I'm glad you asked the metaverse. That's what we're entering, but we're doing it. Uh, um, we're, we're having to do it without an instruction manual, without anybody sitting us down and holding our hands. So with you even spitting those marketplaces with those type of currencies that are driving them and for you to be able to, fire those off just off the top of your head allows others to understand that the rate of how this is happening, this new world, this metaverse, it's uncontrollable. And the race is on, just like crypto in general. You have the Bitcoins, the Ethereums, the chain links, the Tezos, and the list goes on and on and on. And so what we're doing is we're just like how, if, if you can understand how crypto happened, because at one time we just had a Bitcoin and then we had 10,000 plus others, and we had this economy of crypto coins, we're going to have the same thing happening here with the art. Now, the difference is, in my opinion, if you look at those chains, what's exciting from a collector standpoint and an artist standpoint is that depending on what, what price that currency is at allows you to understand how early you are to that equation. For instance, if you enter a marketplace and that coin chip is worth, and, and I'm making that word up, that coinage, that coin chip, that value is worth 20 cents. You, you as an artist may not understand when you're in there making, you know, art for 40 cents, 60 cents, 80 cents, which would be three or four of those coins at 20 cents, right? 
But what you're actually doing is, is you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to go to Mars or Venus or a planet and discover it, this, this, this chain of cryptocurrency. And I'm going to make myself an OG there because it's only 20 cents now. So if I stick here for 12 months and it reaches $2 or $3, what's going to happen to my 20 cent pieces? And so what you're seeing there is you're seeing these marketplaces and these chains and they're, they're all have their spot in this race of human history based off of the currency's value. So Ethereum is only Ethereum because Ethereum is at the price it's at. But if Ethereum was only at $3, you wouldn't even really be hearing about this chain being the boss of all these marketplaces. For instance, there are people trying to figure out how to store Bitcoin as a store of value. And if they figure that out, we may have a whole new row of players because now the art's at a 30K level per Bitcoin. So, I mean, I think what we're seeing here is, and, and by the way, we do have early players when Ethereum was $90, and these are considered legends in the community. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, in, in 2017, when Ethereum, you know, and I don't know what the actual price was, but let's just say it was $90. Well, if you're watching bids come in for new artists at a ground level at $90 a coin, and they're getting hit with seven Ether, eight Ether in 2017, Excuse me, it, it, it discombobulates your mind when you come here and understand that if, if a person's floor level on art, which means the going average, the average rate to grab this art, if it's up there at an 8 to 12, 14 Ether level when we're at $100 a coin, guys, it was only $1,400 for the piece. But since the currency is fluctuating and moving in 2021 and we're at 2500 a coin, People gasp and fall out their chair when they see a legend get their 10 Ether because that 10 Ether now is $20,000. So I think a lot of people are confused into trying to mix the value of the currency with the actual state of that currency. And I think that matters in terms of time and date of arrival. Does that make sense? It sure does. And just to add to that, I personally feel uh, that if the more artists, more members of the community would have a sense and take a or, or take a stake in the fact that we are in the space is in its infancy. Governance is something that's happening on the fly. Uh, it's mostly built around community organization and platforms like yours. And uh, the idea of valuation, I feel like it's immature to like assume valuation at this point now i know that people their egos are are attached to sort of the sentiment of of their their personal creations but if they can think about their creation as participating in the creation of the space and also keep in mind that when you are selling something for the equivalent of 50 bucks or 150 bucks right now say like in in my world as an analog artist, you know, I, I would sell it through gallery where they're taking 50% and maybe I, I sell a piece for, you know, a thousand up to say 10,000, depending on what it is, where I'm at, what show, blah, blah, blah. Back in the day, you know, that, that was critical because it, that was a moment that was rooted in a history of expectation for what should happen in a gallery space in a tradition that goes back centuries, right? So there is no wiggle room when you are steeped in a tradition that goes back centuries. You know, when you go back to Michelangelo and, you know, in the influence of the Vatican on his work, 
and the, his valuation. And here we are as an analog artist, you're still suffering those expectations. But now we're at in, in the beginning of a transformative time. And this time, uh, there is an expectation, I think, prematurely that if you came from the analog world that you should expect to be treated, your art, I should say, should expect to be treated. Consider this. You have a built-in 10% uh, uh, remonstrance, right? You have this um, residual income that's going to develop as the space develops. So if you're selling something for $100, every time that, that sells and factoring in price growth over time, that 10% might become $1,000 every time it sells. Then it might become $5,000 every time it sells. You know, you know, so I'm more interested in a sort of collective tolerance of the time. Like if we can articulate as the community a step-by-step -step approach to, to building confidence and trust, like what happened yesterday between Dark Artist and I, you know, I did that for very genuine reasons. And it had nothing to do with price. It had, I didn't consider price. It wasn't matter. I, I would have spent my last dollar in that moment for that man, you know? So I just want to get that out there that I feel the space is, is such in its infancy that we have an opportunity to be the caretakers in the process of its development. And I want that to not fall to the wayside. You're going to have a lot more information on that because you come from an analog world, but you're exactly right. I mean, and that's just one perk of many in NFT land, because as you were saying, you can you can you could literally retire right now. And if you have enough works on the blockchain, you're still going to have a passive residual for the rest of your life because that 10 percent is tied in. Nobody can cut you out of that. Um, there's so many ways to grab those residuals through collaborations or through ending up on this chain earlier, ending up here and making a piece there. Or like you said, going on hand and creating a piece, you know, early February as being part of this discovery phase. And then three years later, forgetting it and going back and figuring out you sold 26 times or whatever and those residuals hit you. But not only that, the simple fact that it dictates your next actual mint because here in, in NFT land in the NFT community, you're not in charge of what your art is worth. You see one day you could wake up and be traded so many times and your value could rise so large just based off of a happening or a collector taking a liking to you, or just basically having an art piece. Like let's just say a Martin Luther King Jr. Or a notable figure. Somebody comes in there from the community. That's a notable person in the world. They pick up your art and then boom, little do you know it's going worldwide because they picked up this amazing piece and plus who they are. And so what happens is when you come back to create, just like you said, where you would enter that gallery because, you know, that's what you survived on. The difference is you, you're able to say, hey, look, today I'm worth X because of what happened. And I think in the traditional art market, in the analog world, as you say, it, I, I, 
I don't even know where you guys do that. I don't know if it's a paper that gets handed to you or, or a phone call happens to you, but it's nothing that you could just gauge and visually, you know, let the data understand and tell you your worth. I mean, unless you just have the ears to the streets and understand what buzz is about all about, but you're not going to be at the dinners, at the lunches and all those things that people are talking about your art on the internet in these communities, you have a way to see that happen. So for instance, if you logged in today and you had three pieces and you know, you're used to having three to seven notifications on social media and you're out there working and you're working and you meet a notable figure and they know this person and they know that. Hey, look, man, I'm living proof. I started in February 10th of this year. I'm barely, I'm barely getting into my five months of, of age and I'm at almost 28,000, 29,000 followers. That allows anybody here who has a question about the space to understand how fast it's happening, how the opportunity is available for everybody. And you said it best. There's these discover. It's like it's literally like the ship hitting America and the first settlers getting off of the boat and just discovering different cities and countries and lands. And we're just conquering America slowly. But one thing I want to say is, you know. Those three letters, those letters NFT, it's a is it's a has a broad use case. It has so many use cases that we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg. But what we are seeing first is the first daily used case of trading with the inclusion of art. So NFT plus art which means an analog artist like you or a digital artist like somebody else, just art in general, right? When the NFT and the art meet, you have the NFT community we are in. But that doesn't mean that there won't be developers who are going to be selling NFTs with programmatical views that are going to take them to the moon with the startups they're wanting to create. We haven't got to where people are minting keepsakes from their grandfathers in World War II. We haven't got to where people are creating pet cemeteries and trading pets amongst families because not everybody's going to be able to hold a marketplace with one pet. But sure enough, there's going to be people running pet cemeteries with hundreds of pets in NFT land. And so these use cases that we're seeing that haven't even made it here, that is what makes it so exciting for me when you say, hey, I'm an analog artist. Okay, but that analog artist gets to plug into so much more with just these three letters called NFT. And man, the opportunities I've seen in this space, I mean, I've seen one guy just be a regular artist and actually just get hired on to create an entire comic series, which is basically blew out its sale. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that artist woke up without any pieces, without any art. And then at the end of that week, ended up on a whole entire operation, creating a whole entire comic that drives the NFT space that ended up selling out. And it's like, you can't get that opportunity at a gallery in Miami, you know, unless you just make that conversation for that split second. You, you know, this is what happens when, uh, dialogue is set free and it's not in the hands of mechanisms of control. That apparatus of power, the elitism in the traditional art world is essentially been pushed aside. And as somebody who comes from that world, I can tell you that the layers of gatekeeper in that world are endless and the influence and the impact on artists and their viability, their financial 
freedom. I mean, there's so much that's taken from, especially below the glass ceiling of the traditional market. What I love about the NFT market is that uh, the glass ceiling is that myth of the glass ceiling has been proven to be just that on and it because NFT in the commute, it's community driven, which makes it personal. And I, I would just like to segue before we tear it up on use case. I want to segue real quick to dark artist and what happened yesterday. I, I, I think this sort of um, perfectly extrapolates this notion of why NFT is so intimate, so valuable at a personal level, so psychically resonant in the people that have come to this space uh, for whatever reason. That is, I'm listening to your show. Dark Artist goes on. He discusses the idea of his first minting at Foundation. Something that you said, which resonated with me, was about artists taking care of artists. Now, one of the things, just to double back, I feel like the more artists give up their works to fellow artists, which are, these are the ground troops, the infantry at the front line of the birth of the NFT movement are is primarily artists, right? These are the people that are, their blood, sweat, and tears, you know, they're jumping without a safety net. They're leaping into the void. These people are doing the hard work, right? And, and, we, we, and I know you, you've preached this. We don't want to give that blood, sweat, and tear equity to uh, uh, corporatization of the space. And the, the way that will happen is to keep it in the hands of artists, right? That the zeitgeist remains in control uh, in the hands of the artists. And so you said, and, and I believe, like, give up your work to fellow artists. And that is their um, savings account. That is our sort of like, you know, uh, inside joke, if you will, that we're supporting each other. And one day our mutual support at reasonable rates is going to become our retirement. And eventually those collectors that will come in and drop two, three, four, five ether at these market prices, those people won't be in on the joke. And so I go to list, to look at dark artist work and your sentiment about supporting each other and something about it tore me up because of the collector and how he supported me in, in the interest of uh, paying for a burial plot for my brother and buying up a collection that I had made for my brother that I had never intended to, to mint. I didn't even know about minting at the time. And well, so here we are, I go look at his work and something about it just screams pain, a recovery, reclamation. Like there was something in it, it was spiritualized, you know, and on the surface in the titling, and I'm big about titling, there was something disingenuous. And I mean that affectionately. There was something disingenuous about the titling, gin and grape juice. It was too obvious R relative to the complexity of the execution on the technical side of that work. The title was too obvious and it did not do the work justice. And in that moment, I knew that there was a disconnect between the title and the work and that that work that I felt was a scream was a scream. And I took I had to have it. And so after that all played out in, in your space and I came back to talking to Dark Artist, he confided in me and I asked him if it was all right to go over this today. He said, you know, Henry, uh, I can't believe how emotional yesterday was because 
you, you know, you're right. That work isn't playful. You know, I started making those works when both of my parents died within months of each other in the same year and I needed a way to cope. And what I wanted was what, what drove him to the babies was not the baby gin and juice. It was maybe my parents in a, in a moment of desperation, maybe my parents will be reincarnated. And that's where the child motif comes from. That's where the infant motif comes from. And that sort of like heavily spiritualized backdrop in that piece, that sun, I mean, I've seen a lot of sunsets, man. He worked on that sunset with his heart. That sunset was not a drop-in sunset from the Caribbean, man. That was something that he toiled over. And I knew it. I felt it. Backdrop of that piece is why I had to have it. You know, and I didn't know that it was about his parents, but I knew that it was a desperate scream for some relief. And that's what he told me. He said, I haven't felt comfortable sharing the work on the merits of its intention or on the merits of its uh, what influenced its making. And I, and, I, and I told him, I said, you know, that's beautiful that it's for your parents. And I said, I felt that it was for your parents. But I said, but the, you know, I think the moment you psychically set yourself free and admit per interpersonally and publicly that this work is spiritualized and is about maybe say reincarnation or the potential for a, some contact or afterlife with the parents that you're grieving their loss, that that is going to set you free into a deeper artistic journey because now you're no longer playing this mental game of I need to hide the truth. And he was like, yeah, you're right. And he said, yeah, man, just please break the ice for me. You know, yeah, go ahead and talk about it. And so to your point, and, and I'm going to hand this, the, the torch back over to you. I feel like the reason why this space, you, you know, you, you nailed it yesterday. You said, and I, I want to extend the metaphor, you've got a hick addiction. And it, when somebody doesn't understand what you mean by a hick addiction, they're clearly newbies well i would say that this idea of addiction to the space is that it's it's because of how deeply interpersonal connected and psychically oriented it is because you've stripped out the stratification of what is uh, uh, the ability to develop dialogues between creators between lovers of art collectors the, the whole thing has been personalized. Everybody has access to everybody. And depending on your, uh, if you're genuine or disingenuous, that comes across immediately. And we no longer have to play the, the game of, of, of persona per se. Like when I have a show in, in Paris, I have to go to Paris and play the American artist coming to Paris, right? And then the whole thing is, is kind of a falsification of who I really am but it's what's expected of an artist in the traditional art market here. Everything is happening. Be, like is almost as if we are mainline to each other's emotional constructs, right? It's happening in real time as it needs to. I, this morning, and you know, I'm in contact with Janice uh, and McAfee and Tommy Austin and the whole crew with John McAfee, 
you know, I had several conversations with him over the years. I, you know, I really appreciated his influence. Uh, I, I wouldn't say always healthy, but that he had the fire from hell to, to, to the vision to see what, what, what crypto was going to be and supported it to his last breath. And he did. He was freer than freedom. The man died, uh, you know, in the hands of an injustice. So this morning I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I created this, this collection and, and they wanted it. So I'm sending them the tips so they can produce their own, you know, collection in print wherever they are right now in hiding. And, you know, as a way of just like memorializing John. And I, you know, I, I, I like immediately had to create another piece for Janice, uh, you know, around a picture I love of, of her and John in love. And it felt like they were in love. I made this picture at, it, waiting to have this conversation and sent it off to him. And you know, lo and behold, it's affecting her. And all this is happening in real time. So I'll hand the torch over to you. You know, even when I run my spaces, a lot of people don't understand, and I don't even understand it to this day. But what happens in those spaces is, is if you can think of a church assembly, right, where they're calling you to come up to the front and change your life. What happens in those spaces is we have one row of artists and we have another row of collectors, but we never really in our mind understand that that row of artists are also collectors in itself because they're earning as they go. So while we're holding this service of understanding and, 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 and I run the spaces like a church service in a sense where I'm always bringing general information, I'm even putting myself down sometimes. We're putting down the the, the, the pride and the ego and we're bringing out our feelings and our humiliation and we all know we're a part of one movement called NFT, this new discovery. And so what we do is, is we put all those, those prideful um, um, emotions down and we, we put our ego level down and we just come as we are. And when we come in those spaces, you know, uh, there's a lot of times where I don't even understand why I cry, but I break down and cry. And there's other people who cry and it's just this fellowship, this dialogue, like you said, with no filter. And what happens is there's always one person's story because we're all humans that resonates with another person in that room. And so as I'm doing this and as people are in the audience, it starts to hit people like a church service would and people start to feel certain emotions or certain things. And then it takes that one person to come up and share like dark artists did. And then there's another person in that crowd who clicks while he's doing and they're looking and then they're, and, and then that's how it happens. Like, I mean, even in our spaces, we didn't know you two were going to carry on. We didn't know that he was going to divulge that information. I don't think anybody did. I don't think him or you did. But the fact that that happens, when we hear those stories, when we, when we share those stories in public, as artists supporting artists, because like you said, it's, a, it's that psychological, that, that stripping of everything and just bringing in that emotion and that need. And that, like you said, he didn't just drop a sunset in behind it. Well, regular people wouldn't even know that. So what happens is, is it takes in an early space like we are. It's my spaces and you doing that with that artist, which are two artists supporting two artists. And then me trying to make that happen. It's that outside on the per it's that outside 
person who's looking on the inside trying to figure out what is it that you and him just did? What is it that you and him just celebrated? What is it that everybody's rallying around? And what happens is these outsiders, these outside traditional collectors, like you said, these people that haven't made it here yet, they get curious. And so then they start poking around that celebrating story that, that, uh, uh, that, that what you said, what it meant for dark art artists and what it meant for you and how it happened in our spaces and that curiosity of that story, just like this podcast, when we share it, there's going to be certain people who are going to say, you know what, let me go see what this stuff is about with all the intentions of just either flipping art or finding art or supporting or whatever it is, but they end up falling into what it is you fell into. And I think that artists, collectors, new people in this space are anybody here that's listening they'll never be able to understand this until they come experience it because like i said in the very beginning even i came for the opportunity that i heard about stayed for the technology that was presenting itself and then fell in love with the community aspect the the um inside feelings the inside knowledge like you said that inside joke which which is an inside joke for us but spills out into everybody's joke when that ether or that uh, Tezos or that price hits this astronomical amount that starts bringing in blogs and news and media and spins headlines. And I'm sure you heard all about the memes and everybody doing that money, but it's that exact cross of meetup happening that is just, I mean, you literally are like you and dark artists in my spaces, that three right there is going to light a bonfire. And we don't know who is going to get burnt by that bonfire, but there's going to be two or three or four more people, even in that spaces that are going to be touched by that. And so you have these soldiers, these type of, like you said, frontline warriors who are sharing and caring. And, and, and I want to ask you something. How is that different from anybody's parents being correct role models for when they were a baby growing up in life? All you're doing is watching role models in the community proceeding and uh, progressing and proceeding and going forward in whatever it is thereafter. And sooner than later, you're going to want to be a part of that. So <clears throat> I think what we're doing is we're jumping off that type of uh good cancerous activity where it's like, Hey, this is how it goes. And it just starts spreading like a virus. And it starts with those early stories like you and dark artists, but it ends up with that millionaire who's, who has that void his whole life and doesn't really like to, I mean, let's be honest here. These millionaires and these people who live a finer life, they've already programmed their minds into saying that I don't eat or do anything at that low level. So what I'm saying is that when your art reaches a certain price to enter their zone of shopping and browsing because they're driving Ferraris, they're living finer life. They're not looking at $3, $10, $12 art pieces. They're only looking at art pieces that match their style of living. So when that art piece rises up to 12, 18, 20,000, now you're able to co connect with that collector. And so if that collector understands what's happening here, that's when it becomes super exciting because if dark artist ends up meeting an art, like let's say you were one of those whales and you did hear one of those stories and dark artist is on that level. Then if you're in that spaces and that service is allowing that audience that I told you about to be in a different tier tax bracket, it would be that collector who would come down right now and tip that bid for 25 K and tell the same exact story you did. If they were able to connect, at that level and one thing you said about dark artists that i want to touch and because i know he's going to listen after this is it's like 
you know, your story behind your art and your intentions of why you do it is going to be some of the best substantial proof on why this needs to happen for you that 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 it's almost mandatory you bleed it or share it with somebody so i'm just super grateful and thankful on the behalf of my own community on the behalf of dark artist himself that even if he didn't want to share that with you that he was able to find the strength in that quick amount of time in that in that quick explosion of emotions that it just happened to connect like that to hear that story about his parents share that story about your brother in order to in order to, I mean, what I feel like is I feel like you came and put those keys on those locks. His creative mind, his heart, his inspiration has been put under a lock and key. And when Henry has came and put that key in there and unlocked it, and you've taken those chains off and you've told dark artists, hey, man, look, it's why I connected with you. I love that story. And so what you're doing for dark artists right there, and what I want him to know is that if Henry found that to be like that for him, how many more Henrys are out there waiting to be found through dark artists and his arts? And I think that artists have to understand that, you know, in life, perceptions, everything, uh, first impression is a lot. When you go meet people, I mean, they don't know what you're, you know, you're combing your hair, you're brushing, you're bringing your best, you're bringing your A game. You're not bringing your flawed human shit that your kids or your wife sees on the weekend, right? So I think as artists, like you said, you play this role of an American artist come to Paris. So when you come here, everybody plays these roles because in life, you've always had to play these roles. And then when you meet somebody who finally says, hey, Henry, that role that you're playing, that ain't even why I came. Here's why I came. And then finally, for the first time, that human can actually sit down and, and, and I look at it as somebody loosening up their tie and taking off their hat and taking off their clown makeup from a circus and saying, you know what? I am a clown and I do have to come out here and make everybody happy. And I know you're here for the freaking circus, but hey, man, my dad just died. So I'm saying that in a sense of saying that there are people out here who have to put on clown makeup or build this perception level or be this somebody that's not teachers are another great example. They can't come in there wearing their heart on the sleeve for their first grade students constantly. So it's like these artists, they don't understand that. They're just artists trying to make it in a world of perception and belonging and fitting in. And there's so much stereotyping that when you finally do meet a Henry, I would think that the amount of pressure you're lifting on him. And I think that's exactly why he said, please break that ice or please share that because it's like, and I don't want to speak for anybody, but it's like, let me stop being something that I'm not and that I don't even have to be. And let me tell you why I make these babies of Snoop Dogg and babies of other people. And to me, man, you know, just you sharing that part about his art is going to make me look at those babies a lot more different. Because now what I'm looking at is that every time you make a, even a famous baby, you're making the famous side of it to capture the, um, the virality of it. But the gin and juice baby or the Snoop Dogg, whatever it is, has nothing to do with the actual emotion underneath. So what you're doing is you're supplying the best of your both worlds. You're blanketing your pain by giving the virality, but you're getting away with giving the pain because it's your creation on the blockchain. And, and, and if you meet a Snoop Dogg fan, he's going to enable that perception to you because he's going to be like, man, I'm a, I love Snoop Dogg. I'm a huge fan. Gin and Juice was my favorite album. I bought that piece. And so what you're doing to dark artists is you're still keeping him under that lock and key. 
And so he has to create again. But when Henry comes, who's an artist, and says, you know what? Here is why I came. And you, my friend, as an artist, just went to that other artist, a fellow peer, because he does the same work you do. He shares the same pain as you do. He shares the same want, the same victory. The same thing you go after when you make that piece for Janice or John, right, is the same reason why Dark Artist makes his babies. And because Henry has came to unlock that ball and chain, that, 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 that lock that's been locking his perception and his value forever, probably, out of his first mint, you freed that bird, that injured animal, I mean, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I feel like it's the it's the best relief anybody could ask for. You know, I almost want to take it. And again, I don't want to take it this far, but I'm extreme in my in my analogies. It's like coming out of the closet, living like somebody you're not for all this time and finally being able to say, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, this is me. And whether you like it or not. So be it. And, and I've talked to those people. They tell me, you know what? Hey, so-and-so doesn't like me. Family doesn't talk to me, but I love my life. And in the end of the day, man, you just made dark artists love his life for creating. And whether that's 0.25, whether that's 1.0, like you said, it didn't matter what the amount was. Hell, it didn't even matter if y'all did it for pennies. The fact that you did that for him and the fact that he showed it back to you through the love of your brother or was able to spark an old emotional feeling in you. Hey, excuse me, man, but if you're not excited to find more of that, that feeling, that rush, that sense of completion that I think you felt when you did that and found it all out. When I say I have, a, I have an addiction to Hick, it's that very addiction that we're talking about. The extra, should I say, gin and grape juice on top of that is the art itself. So we always have to understand, in my opinion, that you're going to have the art, but there's going to be a two-side factor to it. There's going to be the vir virality, wow, ooh, oh my goodness, I need this peace factor. And then there's an underlying factor of why you do that piece. And as us who are in the community, learning artists, learning their wants, learning their mind behind their, their who to the what to the why of that piece, you start to just really take a freaking, oh, you take a love to it, man. And it becomes more than what it should be. And if we can explain that to more and more people, we're going to have something that lasts forever. In my estimation, one of the first use cases that's coming to the fore here is the reclamation of our basic humanity. And I would say that you look to the poets, you look to the philosophers, you look to the, to the great emotional moments in art history where um, those artistic spirits dove into the wreck, as Adrian Rich would say, the great poet Adrian Rich, one of my favorite poems talks about diving into the wreck and she's referring to the wreck as her deepest uh, self and that most complicated space. And I want to bring back again this week, a comment that John made about bandwidth in the 21st century in the generation after the millennials and humanity in general, this internet age has stripped people of bandwidth. And by that, I mean, it, everything's mimetic in, in the sense that 
our identity has sort of going through a phase of morphing. People don't really know how to project themselves in the internet age. And they're getting caught up in being ever more compartmentalized and consolidated. Well, I feel like the NFT, here's an analogy, love. The, the, the personalization of li our, our, our life experiences, the people that have come to this space, the, our ability in real time to engage each other and to get around the bullshit of, of this mimetic culture in that we have contact with the deepest selves in the world today, which I see all across the whole spectrum of the arts you are going to find people who are poetically more in touch, people who think metaphorically, who think, you know, in analogies, who think in similes, who have this sort of paradigmatic uh, sense of the world in that, you know, it's expansive and not linear, right? That's the artist, right? In any, in any medium. And so you fall in love on the surface. In the traditional art world, here's the, here's the rub. You walk into a gallery, you look at something that's aesthetically perfect. That's it, right? So if I walk into a room and I see a, a, a potential um, wife or husband, I know this is a far, a far, a far cry from reality, but let, it's not. I see a person across the room. Aesthetically, they trigger something in me that's overwhelming. My wife did that for me. But you know what? I didn't fall in love when I saw her. I didn't fall in love with the aesthetic. I, fall in, I fell in love with a thousand conversations. I fell in love with that deep meta data of her soul. I had to get to know her. And the, the, the relationship between a, a man and a woman, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, those relationships in the instant that, 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 that we meet is rooted in some primordial response to an aesthetic trigger. That is the look that I want to talk to. But if I don't talk to that look and understand that the deeper self behind that look, I can't fall in love. And in this experience of the NFT market, I am overwhelmingly certain that, that what's at play here is genuine human love. There's something soulful that is taking the place of the soulless experience of the traditional art market. And that's why the NFT market is far more significant and is an evolutionary step, I believe, in the history of art. If we, we jump 20 years from now, we're gonna see NFT as a reclamation of the human soul. It is going to be talked about by philosophers. It is going to be talked about by poets. It is going to be sung about by the crooners like Dylan, you know, uh, uh, for in the generations to come. It may feel like a technological revolution on its surface, but I can declare for myself personally that I am mining the deeps of other people's souls on a daily basis, and that is not possible in the traditional art world. And I would also say that this a concept of immaterialism, that here we are going batshit crazy over something that is totally subjective in that it isn't an object it's objective is there in the sense that there's artist artistic intention it has objective but is not an object 
So we have a confounding kind of paradoxical moment in, in human history that is, I say it is the nuts and bolts of what makes us human. The whole emotional spectrum is at play and people are starting to open back up to this idea of dialogue. Look at what has transpired in three days between us, between us and dark artists, between us, your community spaces. In my entire artistic career over 20 some odd years, I have not had a deeper experience in the arts. You know, you know, like, let's take musicians, for example. Like they're sitting here and you talked about poets, you know, a, a deep dive into the wreck. And then we're talking about artists. Let's talk about artists. And when we say artists, a lot of people think it's just art. Let's talk about artists, actors, actresses, musicians, um, uh, any form of acting for somebody else's love or, or liking or whatever it is. And art is one of those. But isn't it true that the creators behind these movies or music or poetry or whatever it is, they're always trying to get that soul approach. They're trying to make that connection in the soul. I mean, I hear so many people say, ah, I love this song and they turn it up. Is it because you love it? And, and, and when you say love, that reclamation of love, when somebody says, I love this song and they turn it up, you don't have any idea if they love it because they love the music. You don't have it because they, they love their mom played it. You don't know if it's their brother's favorite song. Like there's so many things happening with the form of music or a movie. I've watched so many movies. You lost your brother. I lost my brother. I watched so many movies when they show two brothers having a good time. Man, that stuff breaks me down every time, man. And I freaking get so crazy. My wife's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. And, and, she doesn't understand that that one part, that one scene sparked me all the way down when I was three, year old, three years old playing video games with my brother. So it's like when you see this, this pull of, you know, these artists who, you know, and you know they're doing things because you've heard the stories of the musicians drinking and drugging to make that song or the actors and actresses doing stuff for those parts. The Heath Ledgers with the Jokers are getting in these parts and they're doing it so that it's taking over their life. And, and they, they it submerge themselves into this experience to do their best to get that connection to the reclamation of love that you're talking about. And hey, here in the NFT arts, you're right, there is that. And I think that in the beginning, as a grassroots operation, just like a musician, right? Like musicians start off as like, like, let's take Kurt Cobain, for example. You know, Kurt Cobain, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's take him, for example. Like he was growing up, they were probably telling him you're great at the guitar. He was probably explaining his love for the guitar. Those people at the breeding ground, you know, those people that try to bring that reclamation of love you're talking about at the very beginning of Kurt Cobain's life, his sisters, his friends, those people he played for when they were drinking just at house parties, those people were loving him for what he was loving for and what he was doing for. But you hit a level of where it gets to the, how it gets to a height of where Kurt is no longer hurt for Kurt Cobain is no longer heard for Kurt, Kurt Cobain. He's now being positioned as this just booming act, like to where you said in the beginning of our conversation, you strip people of that at first and look at the emotion, but later on they strip you of the emotion and only look at you for that. And so in the NFT world, there's a place where, like how you said, you're connecting with that human, that reclamation of love, that early start. But in the beginning, it's dark artists first met on the on foundation. So in you're part of that breeding ground level. What happens is those artists hit a point in time 
when they when they have 30, 40 mints and they're so high, uh, uh, Sotheby's is coming, Christie's is coming, and they materialize them into this Kurt Cobain where now it's like, we just need you to perform at the club. And so what happens is you lose touch of those Henry's and all these people in the beginning of your journey. But what's so badass about NFT Henry is Henry is at that event showcasing his love for the early part of dark artist career so when dark artist gets to his 30 minutes and they do play him around the world and they do get him to somebody you show up because of the love that you struck with him in the early beginning and i think that's what makes this place so exciting is that the people that you meet that start with you today you don't have to try to like a lot of people in our space they try to fit in with the older guys but they don't have any idea that your time starts today with who's around you and that's your graduating class. So for you to connect with somebody like a dark art, like a dark artist, it's the same way, which fuck render. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a legend in our space. Fuck render has his early Henry's in 2018, 2019, who connected with him on a personal level, made him break down and cry. And, and, and they're there at Sotheby's with him today. And so us as younger people, we look and we see this guy, you know, who just sold, I think for, you know, a hundred plus grand at Sotheby's, if I'm not mistaken, or, or something along that nature. And it's like his first early Henry's are right there. And they're probably crying because they're like, dude, you finally got what you deserve. And man, you, one thing that I don't meet a lot of people who can out talk me or who can even hold these conversations with me, but I'm pretty shocked and applaud at your analogy of talking about love. Because I always have this analogy of saying love is not mandatory. Like we weren't born out the womb ready to love your spouse that you love. You fell into that. You, like you said, you connected from how, whatever story you gave us, which was fantastic. I can't wait to share this, but it's like that love factor. It's not mandatory friendship. It's not mandatory. You not screwing over your boss or taking something from work. That's not mandatory. Those are all values, morals. Those are all things you learn. You fall in love with those things. You fall in love with a friend. You fall in love with somebody you love, right? Like even a waitress or a waiter, like we don't understand that at the end of that small little dinner date, it's how they rubbed us and then our care for them. Do we like them? Did we love the service? And then we give a tip and gratitude based off of that service you received. It's not mandatory, but I always tell people you're in charge of that. You're in charge of controlling that. Because I can come in and give you the greatest dinner in the world. I can be the nicest person in the world. And I'm going to jumpstart that mandatory love and likeness in your heart. And so, like you said, when you did see your wife and you did go over there because you were attracted, but you found the soul deeper. If that soul deeper investigation doesn't pan out, you don't fall in love. So in all actual reality, that is exactly what we're doing. And I think that the cool opportunity for everybody is you know, and I don't know John, and I don't know if John does NFTs, but if John came to do NFTs today, he could find somebody at a grassroots startup operation just like him. And most likely he's going to be able to connect at that personal level. Hey, I'm new. I don't know. Hey, hey, I'm new. I don't know. And, and they don't really know where to spend their money or do what they do. So they connect on that one story. And it's just, I mean, dude, I've seen it. It just sometimes in our spaces, it's just a lot of crying and it's just happy, you know, and and I think another thing, you know, and I'm bouncing around a little bit, but there's a vacuum of in our world, worldly. It's not just America. I am in Dallas, obviously, but it's not just America. It's not. It's a worldly vacuum of a 
a, 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 a um, disappearance of love. So what we are doing as humans, in my opinion, is there's so much hate. There's so many rules. There's so many much madness and chaos that we live with daily that we can't figure out that we can come to a Twitter, which nobody, even everybody in our community always makes a joke about Twitter. Like I never knew it was this powerful because it's not, it's only powerful for the, for the souls behind it. But the fact that you can log in there through a world of chaos and madness and connect at this spiritual, personal, lovable soul level, uh, man, I've been on the computer since I can remember in a, I, I think I got that feeling in the early America online days because we built groups and private chat rooms and things like that. And we had our little, you know, hacker crew or whatever when I was a kid and we would rush little chat rooms and we would be in those 30s and singles and looking and we were 12, 13 years old, you know, but we felt so cool because it was like, we, we, we couldn't go outside or drive anywhere. We couldn't go anywhere and, and drink with our friends in our bars or something. So we would just come online through AIM in these chat rooms and we would have this community and my parents would say, you know, why do you tie up the phone? phone line for 13 hours a day. And they didn't understand that there was this community factor on America online with these geeks, these aim junkies, right? And I'm 36 now. And I haven't put my phone away. Literally, I haven't put my phone away since February 10th. I think there's sometimes where I, I, I'll throw it in my closet, lock the door and like run away from it. So I won't touch it because it's that powerful. And I, I, it's like sometimes I, I wish I could take my brain off and put it on people's shoulders because I, I sit there and I try to explain it. And, and the only thing I can keep coming up with is you got to be there to try it. You just got to be there. You know, this evolutionary step, Ben, is about, you know, uh, Robert Bly, another poet, he wrote a book that is not entirely relevant here, but it was about um, feeling safe in the context of our vulnerabilities and as a ptsd survivor post-traumatic stress disorder survivor uh, from a violent crime in the 90s you know i have battled with the idea of personal safety my entire life like psychically and one of the things that i saw in dark artists and that i see every day everywhere you know that the 21st century has been the ruin of our the the collective global humanities perspective on personal safety. We're inundated by the sense through the media onslaughts that the world is unsafe, uncaring, and unsustainable for our soul. And therefore, we should protect it. We should keep it back from the world. We should isolate ourselves in these compartmentalized, you know, uh, safe zones for our heart. And I would argue that you know, Dark Artist, that title was the fight or flight limbic system response to his fear that being vulnerable in some way, shape or form might be detrimental to his health, maybe personally or the health of his work. And it's the world's impression of it. I would argue that the world needs to dive into the wreck, that the NFT space is the front line for Again, the reclamation of the importance of love, but also for securing that this space is about securing again the complex nature of uh, community support of exposing our vulnerabilities, which is what make us makes us our deepest deepest human self. 
right? So the more that we can uh, dive into the wreck or the more that we can be vulnerable without uh, consequence, certainly without um, malignant consequence, right? I feel like the, the, the perspectives of this community right now, people are teetering on something special is happening. What does it mean? Where can it go? And I would say that the art of dialogue, the open dialogue, community dialogues is imperative. Like if I were to say what is most important right now from, for us as advocates in the space, as influencers on the space, it is let's dive into this wreck. Let's, co- let's be co-supporters of our deepest vulnerabilities and let's bring back the, the nitty gritty blood guts, gore, the truth about truth, right? Absence of proof is not absence of truth. And that is the, the basic fundamental law of art. I am showing you truth without proof. And that's what, you know, I, I get usually mentioned music, Bob Dylan, I, almost for years now, either early in the morning when I'm alone, when all the kids are in bed or late at night when I'm alone and everyone's in bed, I like to smoke a cigarette and listen to Bob Dylan's one more cup of coffee before I go. It's, it's like, it's like, um, it is the number one song on the soundtrack of my life. And it's because I feel it is the most positive rec- like sitting in the moment and reflecting on our life and saying, you know what? I'm not giving myself over to death anxiety. I am not going to be a slave to my fear of mortality. I am going to be contemplative. I am going to express my deepest self. I'm going to accept uh, whatever may come. I'm going to have one more cup of coffee before I go. And that coffee for me is like a meditation on all of this. And I feel it now. It's a meditation for me on all of this that's happening in the NFT space. I might have wanted to go before what happened to me with that collector and my brother's works. I might have wanted to go. And in the moment he bought those works, and brought me to the NFT space and showed me that there is now a a path to the reclamation of love and to the revisioning for a future of deeper connection in mankind, that has opened my mind and I am now ready for one more cup of coffee before I go. You know, that's awesome. Let me ask you one question before I take over. That collector that you're talking about, that one that brought you in the NFT land, just real quick, openly asking from a one through 10, how important is that person in your life now? Um, is important. I mean, it- that moment, that moment right there where he was able to imagine how old are you? Uh, 49. 49 years old. And you can have this happen to you and understand that even if you had one more cup of coffee before you went, that that thought would run through your mind before you left, right? That's how important it is to you, right? How important it is. That's probably how important it is for you to do what you did for Dark Artist. And as we continue that importance in people's life, 
You know, and by the way, you're not the first person to ever talk about Bob Dylan. That Bob Dylan guy, I'm going to have to search him down. I'm 36, so I didn't grow up in that era. But I mean, there's so many stories of completion through that man's music that I'm going to hunt this song and I'm going to listen to it as well. Because I'm that type of person that just like we talked about, because you're putting the gin and grape juice out there for people to look at, the underlying reason of why that exists is why I want to go listen to Bob Dylan's music. Because I understand that in an art expressional form, even in a coding world, listen, I'm a developer. I've developed sites and haven't told people why I do certain things because there's an artistry, there's a form to it. And I think of it as a Trojan horse in a very hateful world. Because like you said, if there's this, this reclamation of love or, or this, this, this um, uh, digging back up our 1990 uh, morals and values and just trying to get this sense of completion of what we get at home that we don't get in the world no more because of where we're at. It's like this, this, this um, Trojan horse being presented by art in a physical or a virtual expressional form, it's like, yeah, you think it's a cool piece. You think it's a baby. You think it's Snoop Dogg, but in all actuality, it's this. And I think that the ability to throw that Trojan horse out in the world to where you could still be approved for everything they think. But like you said, have that inside joke within yourself for your creation and say, okay, it went for 40,000. Okay. They love it. But little do they know that baby is actually my brother that I lost. So I, 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 I'm, flabbergasted i am like so crazy about the fact that it can have um it's a double-edged sword in a sense it's like when you ask an artist they look at you and they say should i give you the answer of that gallerist collector where you i should just give you what you want yeah snoop dogg is a baby i make famous characters have a good day or is it do i connect with you and actually divulge that parent information right so then you came and probed him kind of you probably made that comfortable for him to speak about by being able to take the stage first and oust your reason of why you did that but i can almost guarantee it that if you never shared that and if you would have just stayed silent and bid there we never even know why a dark artist makes the art he does so man uh uh you know you started off by saying it's it's a it's a test of fate or fate gets us to where we're at but i'd like to ask anybody listening what else would that be what else could that be because if we're going to say that that's coincidental, then I'm going to say, Henry, you might as well go play the lottery for the both of us and see if you can't coincidentally hit us a couple million. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm just being real. It's like we have to we have to understand that there's cause and effect in everything we do. And I think the me, cause and the effect. I want to add this. and You can extrapolate from this. When I say fate now, I'm a personal believer in. Uh, um, uh, a collective consciousness. And so, you know, and I think this is scientifically is sort of being proven out. Uh, the consciousness is, is subatomic and an and extra polarized and all of these things, it almost doesn't have um, any sort of situational uh it doesn't have a situational, it doesn't have a location, doesn't have an address. Like consciousness is cosmic, consciousness is collective, and certainly interspecies, consciousness matters. And I think that what's happened with, between dark artists, I and yourself, is that this collective consciousness is what has fed us and what we fed into. And the interplay plays out uh, 
in ways that it has to, because for instance, sub sub something in me detected a conscious play in dark art. Something in you detected a conscious play in me. Something so so. I don't even know that this happens at the conscious level. I think it happens at a subconscious level. And I, so when I say fate, fate is sort of like, you know, um, lighthearted uh, toss off to going into a deeper explanation about uh, collective consciousness and how that plays out in our lives. You know, you think about the power of positive thinking. Well, really all that is, is projecting into cosmic consciousness uh, your your desire, your need, your, you know, and, and then that is based, its success in connection is based on effort, right? And which is why I want to double back to dialogue and I'll hand this back over to you, but dialogue is that effort that is sort of unchained because we're having an unchained conversation. We're riffing off of each other and things happen in the moment that exponentially grow, right? When the wind blows the seed to the yard next door and the tree grows, you know, that's, it looks like happenstance, but guess what? That's what, how nature has intended for that tree to make it, right? From my yard to my neighbor's yard. And I think what's happening right now is seeds are blowing all around, blowing in the wind. Again, Bob Dylan. Uh, yeah, I'm going to hand it over to you. I just wanted to add collective consciousness to the to the concept of fate that's all we're doing when we're tweeting or when we're holding spaces or when we're posting media or gifts we're trying to strike that collective consciousness right that you're speaking about when, when you say you know you, you explained it perfect you're liking your desire you're wanting your need it's like you said hey sometimes at night i just like to smoke a cigarette and listen to bob dylan's well, well nobody told you that Nobody, nobody, you weren't born out the womb and was like, Bob Dylan, one more coffee, cigarette before you go to sleep. No, the collective conscious, that, that cosmic conscious that you said that, that desire, that want, whatever drove, whatever has driven you to that area of, to why you do that on a day, on, on whatever day you do it. And you're right. It's like saying, Hey, I need a piece of chocolate or, Hey, I think I need some candy. Like you think, but it's all in your mind. You know, it's kind of like people who have trouble eating. It's like, it's all in their mind. They think they're hungry. They think you are, but, but it's not anything crazy going on. It's just consciously is telling you, man, I'd love to have a piece of that turkey, man. You know, my stomach sure is growling. Well, man, you didn't eat no breakfast today. Well, I mean, and then eventually you go in the kitchen, you make a turkey sandwich, right? So these things that we're doing now in a new space is we're educating you on the likes and the feelings and the excitements. We're explaining to you chocolate without you ever tasting the chocolate. So then what happens is in your mind, you get worked up. And, and I mean, look, hey, man, it took me a long time to swim because I, I, I drowned when I was a little kid. And like you, PTSD, I didn't know that as a kid, my body was scared of water. I had lived through a tragic event for years. It took me a while to reintroduce myself to showers and, and, and pools and things like that. My parents used to have to watch me shower because I didn't know, but I was afraid of that, right? And so what I'm saying is that 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 sub that cosmic consciousness you're talking about you can also beat that you can beat it by being reintroduced i mean look at abused dogs that you that you find at the at the kennel right like they're so abused that that you go to walk them they won't walk you go to feed them they duck down you you move your hand to go pet them they're they're running away because they've been trained 
to think that this is the way it is, but you can be retrained to say, hey, look, it's okay. He's not going to hit me. Let me pet him. Hey, it's okay. Look, hey, I, I, I don't need a turkey sandwich. I'm on a diet. I need to go to bed. And so what we do is sometimes people hire personal trainers. Sometimes they hire dog trainers. Sometimes they hire, you know, uh, uh, dietary uh, dietitians or whatever it's called. And it's like, that's why when you say me, you and dark artist, it's that entire equation right there. You don't know, he doesn't know, but you have somebody driving it down and then we take a curious liking to it and then you take, and it's just a domino effect. And if we can make more people do that domino effect, eventually what happens is like trending things, you're now left out of that celebration. You're now left out of that conversation. You now don't know how to talk about the experience of what chocolate tasted like. So as a collector, as an artist, you're foaming out the mouth to get your shot. And so what I do, Henry, real quick is I hold my platform at bay to make that happen because I know people are so thirsty and hungry to make that extra change they heard about. But if I can keep them at bay, and I don't know if this is how it happened with me and you, but I'll give you the actual insight of how I drove that conversation with me and you. See, I had just met you. I had scheduled a podcast Saturday, and then we were already talking and feeding links back to each other, and then I had started the spaces. So usually when I see somebody like you up here, it's always somebody who's freeloading off of me. It's happened since I started. And so I made a point in that conversation because there was four or five other people in there for my DM as well. So I was addressing five people at once who were brand new in my life by saying, look at man, you're not going to be able to get what it is you're thinking or doing this. You have to do this. So truthfully, it could have been those five people never thought that they would ever come for that. And I'm not saying you were one of them or what your intentions were, because I can hear it right now. You're true to the soul. And I love it that we've actually met through the fog because it's so hard for us to meet when millions of people are rushing in and half of them are ready to scam people. But it's like those five in my chat, when I made that talk about, if you want my support, if you want this, you come support my community, you come support my artists. Those artists are the reason why I have a page. Those artists is the reason why I have a life. Those artists are my life. Whether they pay me ether or whether they don't, that never matters to me because their support, their likes, their retweets, their ability to step in my spaces is what allows people like you and them and us to even talk. So for me, I always push people. I had somebody ask me yesterday, Hey, can I pay you to, to promote me? And they don't know because, but they can find out on this podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to turn them over to our tip jar, which is a free community project. They're going to pay whatever they thought they're going to pay. They're going to pay it straight to the tip jar. We're going to celebrate it with our community. My artists and my collectors are going to see your contribution and little do they know that's exactly how you come into the community. So some people sometimes think like, Hey V, you know, you're really making this hard on me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to introduce you to what it is we're doing here, but everybody's blinded into the opportunity. So sometimes in my spaces, I'll say certain things or I'll talk for certain people or I'll talk in a general because, hey, look, collectors have a reputation. Artists have a reputation. I don't really have a reputation. I've gained financial freedom. My years of freelance experience and all this like tweeting for me and talking about NFTs versus crunching <laughs> 10 uh, page project scope of works and 13 developers and figuring out if Susie's going to meet me to go eat steak, to go eat. And it's just, a, I mean, just to be able to tweet and talk about art and have this podcast, dude, I'm already living in the Bahamas. So what happens is when I, when I allow everybody to indulge in that activity, 
And if I can't, if I don't blind myself into thinking, hey, take this money grabber, take this cash grabber, hey, spin this person real quick for free, or hey, don't even engage with that person, just spin this. That substance that we're talking about that has been removed in the traditional art world as an analog artist, what you experience because galleries have figured out that it's all about the money. So it's soulless. And my whole point is that if I can never get blinded from that, if I always keep everybody at that same bay of saying like, I don't know what they're here for, but here's what you need to do. That's how I land the Henry's because the other four didn't do anything yet. Right. So it's like you're, you're you're 10 people show up, two people you keep, 11 people show up, three people. And so that's what I do all day. I'm just running my net through the water. I'm just sifting gold at the river. Whatever flash stays in my pan, I take it and I set it outside. And what, what happened there was I went to the river in my spaces. I sifted the river and I just started sifting. And I don't know who's coming in my space. I don't know, but I see the avatars and I see the names. And what happens is by the end of those conversations, Henry, there's a couple flakes in that in that tray, and just so happened from that spaces it was you, dark artist. It was a NFT millionaire, and there was a couple others that DM me afterwards, and they were like, "Dude, like you've changed my whole life." That night, which I believe was yesterday, I don't know if you know the person that I'm talking about, but there was a guy named Altered Motion in there. AM. He sells gemstones. He he makes a hundred gemstones. Once they're plucked, they're gone forever. He has a gemstone program he's been running. That NFT millionaire, and uh, I, I don't remember the other guy's name, I'll forgive me, but they got into a bid war over that gemstone. And that gemstone starts in those spaces, that, that, that personal conversation of connecting with that guy. And we don't know if it, if it jumps over to my spaces or if it jumps over to other people's spaces, but it's a collective pursuit and happiness for that person and his program. And we never really know when it jumps off. And if we can get more people to understand that, I mean, just being on this podcast with you, boss, it's like, I can't wait to your spaces start up and I can't wait to your knowledge. And if we continue doing this, we're going to, we're going to be setting up Texas with the governor, Florida with the governor, Mississippi with the governor, Wisconsin with, and if you get, that's how we get the states that we have here in North America. And so what we're doing is we're setting up those leaders who are serving and cooking different flavors of food. And whoever's ready to eat that plate, they step in that restaurant and they go taking a, taking a liking to it. And, and one thing I want to say is it's like, you know, here in Dallas, we have Chinese food, we have Mexican food, we have an American food, we have Tex-Mex food, we have, you know, Asian food, Thai food. You don't have to go to that restaurant, but you're not going to pass it without seeing cars outside of that restaurant, which means there's people who like their food and their flavor cooked a certain way. And all you're doing here in this, in this community is you're finding that food cooking. You're finding that restaurant to pull up into. And our restaurant together, me, you, Dark, just so happen to be the NFT freaks. But there's other ones. There's Loopifies. There's Roger Dickermans. There's uh, all kinds of little communities inside the community, which makes the liking and the flavor and the teaching and that pursuit of happiness easier for some versus others. Because, hey, let's be honest, when NFT Freaks gets to 100,000 followers, we're not going to be able to have the intimate spaces that we do right now at 20K, right? So what has to happen is more spaces have to spring up with more of that intimacy being built so we can actually step into their 5,000 follower rooms. Yeah, agreed. So I think it's safe to say that 
the first use case that will mark off in the history books here is the uh, taking back of our basic humanity. I, I, I totally agree, man. I, I believe that some of the love celebration, I mean, the fact that, you know, I, I, I see people and let's think about how vulnerable this is. Social media is like, come on, like, let's not act like our wives and our significant others. Don't take 12 pictures of that food before that food gets right or takes that picture at that place. And they're like, this is going on Facebook, honey, you snap it again. And it's like, when you see people come online and cry in a world that we live in today and not care about, hey, you know what? My coworkers can see this. Hey, you know what? That, that one person that I can't believe, man, they're putting it all out there. And you're right. They're coming back to humanity, to the basis of it. They're not caring what you think online. Hey, this is me. I got saved by this guy. It changed my life and I'm freaking crying. And they're putting it on Twitter. And before they would have never done that. Because, like I said, if you have kids who go to school, I mean, what they don't want to see, hey, you know, my whole, all my friends saw you crying online yesterday, Dad. Thanks a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not fun to do. Like, let's be honest, you know. But the fact that people are coming here and doing that, you can't fake that. You can you can fake bids and you can fake talks and you can fake your little conversations, but you're not going to fake posting yourself online and just shedding tears. And these people do that, Henry. I know. Well, and you know what's interesting? It just has like a microcosm. Where do you see the most genuine emotional developments? In you, you've said a hundred times in these spaces. In my life experience, I, I in two thousand and nine, uh, spiraled out of control in in my own drug addiction. That uh, you know, I tried to take my life and didn't succeed and have recovered um, from drug addiction. But, you know, in the recovery process, in rehab, they talk about within these walls, in this space, in whether you're a coke addict, a heroin addict, a drug addict of any kind of hick addict, if you needed to recover from that, uh, maybe because you went broke, uh, but AA the same, in spaces where people are meant to feel that vulnerability is righteous, that's where real deep interpersonal, emotional, spiritual, soulful change happens. And so I like that you refer to your platform as your space and talk about within these this spaces or within the spaces, because I think that's sort of like ex extended off the metaphor that you, you find in all spaces that are about betterment of self or betterment of the collective or trying to transcend, you know, the negative toward a positive. Like, I feel like, again, I want to reiterate, I do feel like NFT in its infancy is showing signs of being truly an evolutionary step forward in, in social consciousness. And so that being said, um, I think that, that the notion of stewardship is important that you know you are a high profile steward of the space but everybody and i i want to say this to the community that listens to this podcast now and in the future try to identify your effort in the space in at some level as stewardship and act accordingly and and give of yourself uh, that which legitimizes this the definition of stewardship 
which is an act of love, is an act of caring. It's, a, it's, it's carrying something vulnerable across a threshold that needs help. And this space does need help because it's not impervious to corporatization. It's not impervious to being completely swallowed up by consumerism and profitability and, you know, which is fine. I always say it's fine that you're making money. But don't lose sight of the of this, the potential for it to be a transcendent moment, right? Because if it stays in the, if it, in your mind, if it remains in this sort of capitalistic hunger, place of hunger to better your life, it, you are, you've already lost sight of the, of what's possible. And before I give over the, the, the torture again, there's a young man who I met in another, uh, on Twincy. Io from the Philippines. It clearly, you know, because I tend to sell a lot through whatever spaces I'm working on, you know, the younger artists, people who are just coming into the space are like, you know, they like to just sort of DM me and be like, what's the secret of your success? Well, you know, it's like, well, honestly, it's about honesty, right? Like, so great art, you know, Picasso said art is the, the lie that tells the truth. And so the greater the art, the the more complex the aesthetic of the lie. And that lie is that it's not literal, but figurative or metaphorical in the sense that it's not real, right? But real is also complex concept and reality and real are two different things. So this young man says to me, what's your secret? And I said, it's the integrity by which I approach myself, that how honest I am with my personal projects that I am not here for money is probably something that matters to a lot of people who collect my work, right? The regardless that it costs money to acquire it isn't why I'm here. And the more you know me, the more you know that. And so one thing leads to another and he's, you know, he's, he's minting works that are, you know, cookie cutter on programs. And I, but I can feel that there's something more there. Turns out, you know, this young man is living in complete poverty is in the Philippines. He's trying to get you know, like the iPhone six or something so that he can do more with himself and try to help his family and buy food, whatnot. And I, and I told him, you know, I said, listen, I'm working right now as an advisor for a, a platform called Uptick Project out of Shanghai. And I said, this is a project that like, like Hen, like, like you are obsessed with Hen. I'm a little obsessed with Uptick because of the person behind Uptick. I've spent a great uh, many hours in conversation with the CEO and he's been on the show. And I said, come over to uptick because if I'm going to work with you, I want to work with you at home. You know, I want to, we, we can talk at length. We can telegram, blah, blah, blah. He comes over and I said, listen, just mint something on uptick. I walked him through getting on uptick. He mints it. I said, whatever price you want, put it up there. He put it up there and he's like, okay, I guess we'll see what happens. I bought it like 14 seconds later. And I said, now listen, this is what I want you to do. I said, I want you to start in, in it, the title of his work was loneliness. So I gravitate to the title because I know that the title speaks to the truth of what he wants to create, but because of his lack of means, he's incapable of, of like execution at the technical level, but that's not his fault. So I said, are you, do you do anything else besides digital? And he goes, yeah, I've been, I've been drawing for years. And I said, show me some of your drawings. And he shows me his drawings and they're fucking beautiful, man. The kid's got major talent. And I said, well, listen, 
why don't you just bring your analog work, figure out how to get it like with, with whatever technology you have, just get it documented and get your personal story, your work, your truth on these sites. And I guarantee you more people will gravitate to them, right? Because right now the, the disconnect is your lack of access to the technologies that would bridge the gap between what you do in the analog world and what you could do in the digital. So he does that. And then he tells me that the phone he needs is $150 that will help him develop his work. And I said, all right, well, listen, keep making works, keep producing works. And when I see one that is, shows me growth and that your effort is genuine to you mint, will mint that. And I'll buy it that day. And you can buy that phone the next day. And that today he finally sent me work after about a week of probably sent me 50. I mean, this kid, I was clearly, and he's telling me stories. He's up all night. His parents are telling him to go to sleep. He's like, mom, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I got this friend and he's, you know, he's trying to help me and blah, 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 blah. I can get a phone. We can get more food. And I mean, it's so amazing. So finally I, I push him and push him and push him. He produces a work that my wife likes and that my wife says, no, that's, that's, I love that. Sorry. Great. Boom. And I tell him, I said, mint this today, which is today. And I haven't, we haven't finished this today, but I said, mint it today. I said, I'm going to buy it for hundred fifty dollars. You're going to buy that phone. And we're going to take the next step. And so I don't even know how the hell I got off on this tangent, but what were we talking about, man? I'm just, I got, I'm so, so impressed by this young kid. Anyway, oh, going back to uh, this idea of, of this space, this space can be an evolutionary step in reclaiming our basic humanity and expanding that emotional spectrum from these compartmentalized, isolated spaces into the, the larger spaces that you have developed in your platform for genuine dialogue, right? I, wanted, I want there to be a rebirth of dialogue. Before the Roman Empire fell, you know, the, the Socratic uh, experience of sitting in a courtyard and having dialogue between the minds of the day gave birth to modern civilization. And we've gotten away from that, the, 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 the importance of dialogue to, to uh, you know, transcending our stasis. Let's do it, man. We're doing it now. Let's keep it up. I don't know how you got on that tangent, but I think it's great to go on that tangent. And here's why. Because you've been able to allow others to understand that what you're doing right there, you're taking a mentorship approach to somebody that you know may not have the skills or may not have this what everybody else is after but you know that with helping him and developing him that you're going to get him to where he needs to be to be seen so for his family and his want and his need you're going to be able to get that victory for him and you're seeing that vision for him that he can't see himself but you can see it because you are where you are and you're enabling him to get that and that victory that that man tastes is going to be talked about hopefully around his whole next wherever he goes and every single person in this space it is going to end up, if you're doing this with 100% honesty, 100% integrity, you're not shortcutting it, you're not lying to yourself, and you're not cheating yourself, every single one of us will meet those people that you meet, at least five of them.
you will take a liking to about five of them. They will not be people who have the best art. They will not be people who are going to make you rich. They are not people that are going to be anything you're proud of in the beginning, but you're going to be proud that you took them from a zero from a nothing to a something. And I think what happens is, like you said, that stewardship, that, that, that giving your contribution back to something that you want to take an enjoyment from. It's like, hey, I want to enjoy this campfire, but before I enjoy it, I've played my part and also brought in 20 minutes worth of stick hunting. So if all five of us are around the fire enjoying this fire and we all have our five hours of stick hunting, we're probably going to have a good fire to burn. But if somebody's not going out there to stick hunt to bring back this fire and they're trying to get warm off this fire, it's not going to work really that good. So what you're doing is you've went out there and you've grabbed your sticks to come back to the fire. And that's exactly what all of us need to do. And even the, the newest artist, that artist right there who says, Hey, you know what? I don't have this. I don't have that. A year from now, after you claim victory and do those things that you can see for him, you're going to enable him through that story. Hopefully this is how it works is they're going to say, you know what? That thing that Henry did for me, I'm going to do it for him. And I watch it daily. I save people every week. And the very next two or three weeks, they're out there saving somebody else. And I'm like, and and and, and it's so funny because I sit there like a proud dad watching his kids grow. And I'm just like, there you go, man. And 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 what, what makes me so happy about that is because, you know, I'm an intake system. I have to literally sort the pile of crap with the good. So there are times, 20-hour days, where you're going to see me and you'll be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But you have to understand I'm working with mass adoption. I'm working with thousands of users and I have to funnel in the ones that are worth it and I have to kick back out the ones that are going to disrupt. And so what happens is that funneling system that I'm running constantly, right? It, 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 to grab those jewels and, and say, Hey, I'm going to spend time with Laura, or I'm going to spend time with AM, or I'm going to spend time with Tori. And I'm shouting these people out for a reason because they're my people. So it's like when I spend time with dark artists, right? Like, and I watch them grow, that's the best form of payment I could ever receive. Because what you're telling me is that the choices that I made to funnel you in and not funnel that in is paying me off because the last thing I want to do is funnel you in and take the spot for somebody I kicked out. It's like a bunch of diet. It's like a bunch of nugs coming through that conveyor belt and we're not catching it in the truffles because they're stacked up. So I'm losing all this substance of great artist and great art. And that's bad for my factory. But if I'm able to funnel it in with genuine interest and common interest, and I take a liking and I see, and they do bid and they do do that. What you see at NFT freaks is you're just, man, it's, it's, it's amazing, dude. And the fact that you just revealed that story about helping that person from the Philippines. Now I know you help dark artists. Now I know you help this. And it's like, it brings more of that genuine factor that, Hey, I did answer his DM. I did follow him and I did come on his podcast. I don't know a better feeling when in, 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 in decision-making or, you know, judging, uh, uh, making judgment, making good judgment, right? When your spouse says, Hey, do you think we should pay this bill or save this? And you say, no, 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 let's do it like this and do it like that. I mean, I'm asking you, is that not the best victory? Even when you go on vacation and the kids say, hey, I don't want to go there. You say, come on, try it. Let's go try it. And then they try it. They say, dad, that was so fun. Is that not the best victory in life that you can look back? Like people always say, hey, V, what is it that, that you get? Like, what is it? And I said, hey, look, man, my favorite part of the day 
is to be able to look at you and say three words. I told you so. Four words. I told you so. Right. It's like my I always tell my wife, I say, hey, don't argue with me because, you know, my four favorite words and I'm, I'm coming after it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, because my favorite thing is to say, I told you so. And, and, and that's what happens in this space all the time. They come back, they message me and they say, V, you know, I got people right now, they're in my DM and they say, you know, I, I'm sending you money. I don't know how to pay you back. And I say, for what? You know, and they say, because you helped me and you did this. And I said, I told you so. Like, like you're paying me back by me being able to look at you and say, I told you so. Now do me a favor. Go out there and tell everybody else. You know what I mean? Uh, let me uh- let me offer this opportunity for John to come in and weigh, and weigh in on a little, a little bit. He's a very intent listener. And, you know, I always like to hear what he has to think about having listened to a, 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 such a great conversation as we've had today. Yeah, it's been great listening to you guys. I think we're going to have to wrap it up, but it's been great listening to you and Henry go at it. Um, we didn't really get into much more use case than uh, the humanity aspect, but uh, maybe we'll have you on in the future. Uh, do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? No, man. I I, I already knew this was going to go like this, and I and I was kind of thinking about it when we were talking. I was looking at the time, and I said, you know, if John doesn't come in here pretty soon, we might be here till tomorrow at midnight in Tokyo. So <laughs> hey, if we need a part one, part two, part three, this so be it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see why that that couldn't keep our listeners listening. Um, there should be a part two and part three to this. I do plan on bringing Henry on to my podcast, but I don't think this should ever be our first or last meetup i think this is a part one into a long series of just talking i mean what we're doing here between me and henry and even and even you thank you for for allowing us to even do this is it's like we're not doing anything except for bouncing early that cosmic consciousness that subconscious stuff we were talking about the more and more we divulge between each other the more and more stuff will be coming to the surface and the audience will tell us what it is we need to say but i think this part one with the information that we've covered it's so much bang in that buck if you really take a lot of what henry said and then you add what i'm saying and then so what you're seeing is you're seeing an analog artist you're seeing an nft um influencer and then we're kind of crashing together in this podcast but if you can really 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 and this is for the listeners by the way if you can really just dissect what henry's saying and then take what vengeli is saying and overlay that what you start to see are like those world maps where you can take countries and little happenings and you just lay it above each other and hopefully henry i don't want to overstep myself but if we can get to more parts and we can make a series of these hopefully by a part three or part four we can give something that nobody's done and what it is is it's a substantial amount of information covering a brand new community and opportunity called nft which happens in the nft community and it happens all on my page at nftfreaks on twitter.com. That is where it happens. I couldn't agree more. And I agree also, you, you read my mind. This is part one. I do think this is an, uh, an opus uh, unfolding. Um, let's, I don't know if part two unfolds on your podcast that you're, you're launching. It, it, I'm certainly open to that. Uh, I know the next three weeks we have guests booked. Uh, maybe even four. So if, if part two is going to be here, it would probably not be for a little over a month. I don't know that I could wait that long. Um, so let's just see how it unfolds. Uh, but yes, part two, gosh, we, this is a, a beautiful thing that you know, I'm all about dialogue. And this is, 
a fundamental dialogue that's unfolding between us. I love riffing off you, man. I really do. I knew I was going to when I was listening to you in your space yesterday. And I'm just I'm thankful that we put our, our best foot forward. And I look forward to uh, future conversations. Hey, man, I appreciate both of y'all having having me on. And last but not least, and I know that's my favorite word, the NFT community really likes to ride me on that. And so, John, I'm introducing you to the one last thing. Forgive me. But when you come on my show, Henry, I'm going to change it to something else. So here, I know people want this. I want this. You want this. But it's like an ongoing TV show or TV series. Make sure you tune in and follow Henry's podcast, which John helps manage. I don't know the official name to it. It was kind of hard when y'all said it. But part one, part two, part three of what me and Henry and everything else that we've discussed here will continue here, whether that takes two weeks, three weeks, a month. You just have to stick around for that. That's an ongoing TV show, which happens here at this podcast. And man, I couldn't be more thankful that and grateful that I even took this. I mean, I only had four hours of sleep. So I literally woke up today and I was like, why did I schedule this like this? Like, I'm so bad. But then now that I'm thinking about it is like, thank gosh, I did this. It's kind of like what you probably thought when you entered my spaces, like, thank gosh, I showed up at spaces. So, Hey man, I appreciate y'all so much and have a fabulous, fantastic day. Oh, you're awesome, fan. All right. Good night, John. Thank you for, okay. Your awesome work as always. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye.